Guys, running a business, a successful one in the fitness industry is simple, it's not easy. It is a lot of hard work, you know that. But when I say it's simple, most of you guys kind of roll your eyes, like who the fuck are you telling? This is hard as hell. And the reason it seems hard for most of you is because you came into this thing with a lot of knowledge as a fitness professional, not a business professional. That is why I made Micro Gym University the first online school for micro gym owners who did not have the benefit of being in the fitness industry prior that tackled this endeavor of theirs of opening their own business without really actually learning business first. There is a saying, you've all heard it, work smarter, not harder. I drop a line or a piece of advice on a podcast or a video and you guys gobble that up. You're like, oh my God, that's fucking genius. Why didn't I think of that? And to me and others like me who have been in this industry for a while, we just take that for granted because we were blessed to have the educational side of being a business owner. We're not having to chase it on the back end when we have rent due and payroll. So if you're interested in leveling up and working smarter, not harder, please shoot me a DM on Instagram at WTF Gym Talk. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions you might have and we can find out whether enrollment within Microgym University is a good choice for you and your business. Guys, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the podcast. What is up? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast, and I've got Pete Moore, and Pete Moore is one of the the brain trust and creators of the Halo Sector, the terminology of the Halo Sector, and I came upon the Halo Talks podcast about a year ago, I'd say, and it was the first time I had heard you guys bringing in individuals that, and a lot of the talk in the beginning was about capital, about money, about investing, about things that you just don't hear on the typical podcast circuit, and that drew my attention. A good buddy of mine, Jim Crowell, we've had the pleasure of speaking at conferences together. You guys just did a, a bang up job interviewing him. I thought that was great. Um, and uh, Jim did an introduction and, and here we are today. Thank, Pete, thanks for coming on, brother. Hey man, it's great to have you uh, uh, be able to talk to you and uh, talk to all your micro gym owners that could become macro gym owners. So I'm here to give you all a little tutorial that all this shit is yeah. actually not that complicated. It's just basic math and I'm going to take you through it. So, so appreciate let, you reaching out. These typical micro gym owners, they're self-funded, right? They're a slow growth startup, right? They, they grow with experiences. They grow with cash. They start off in their fucking garage, and then they get their first lease. And it's a slow mom and pop, small business America origin story. They don't really grasp how investment outside capital works to push growth into a brand. So can you help them just kind of give them, let's do like the high level, and then we can boil it down, how that works. How, does, how did Barry Right? How does berries go from being, you know, berries to being what berries is today, or SoulCycle, or Equinox, or any of these startup brands? Sure. Yeah. So I think the first thing to do is you got to think about, you know, where this money is coming from. Okay. So if you don't understand where the money coming from, you can't really understand where it's going. Okay. So everybody here, you know, has a local college or a local university that they went to. As those local colleges and universities get money their endowment funds there's someone who's an asset manager or an investment officer at a college and they go out and they try and build more buildings and they try and bring in more um, uh, professors and they try and grow their universities right then you also got pension funds and employee retirement funds that also have all this money and they got to be able to put that money to work so what's happened over the years is those asset managers used to put money in the stock market you put money in T-bills or treasury bills. You put money in real estate. And what's happened over the last 25 years is all those different asset managers or investment portfolio managers have started putting money into what's called private equity and into venture capital. And the reason why they've done that is because they got to get bigger returns 
and I got to take more risk in order to meet whatever the obligations are of the school or what the obligations are of the healthcare system of the state of California. Um, and so all this money's out there basically accumulating, trying to find places to get return. So what's happened probably about 30 years ago, private equity <clears throat> groups, which are basically could be Stu, you, me, and, and Ganolin and a couple other guys who said, hey, we used to work in an investment bank or we used to work at a commercial bank like Wells Fargo or Chase Manhattan Bank. Hey, let us go and see if we can get some of these universities and some of these retirement funds to give us money. And we'll go out and we'll go find health club chains to go and to as 10 health club chains. We'll give them money to build another 10. Okay, so we'll buy it, we'll grow it, and then we'll try and sell it to the next private equity guy. We'll try and sell it to Lifetime Fitness or LA Fitness. So as that happened and all this money that's now going in because interest rates are so low, people are trying to find returns. So there's all this money that's going to try and find private companies to put money into. And all they wanted to do is say, hey, look, you got two CrossFit locations. Could you go build another eight, right? And, and generate the same profitability at each one of these locations. And then when we get to 10, we'll find somebody else to buy it from us and we'll grow our way into that return, which could be anywhere between 15% annual return or up to 50% annual return, okay? So all this money is out there to try and find deals to grow their money, right? So does that, does that yeah, kind of cover it? Yeah, like, you know, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing good. Awesome. Okay, so what happened, take a guy like Barry's Boot Camp, right, that had one location in, uh, you know, in, in West Hollywood. There was on the second floor of a strip center, right? And that guy just ran a location just like everybody who's probably listening to his podcast. Like, I got one location. I'm hustling you know, how am I doing? I don't know, dude. I'll tell you what my fucking bank account looks like at the end of the month, right? Yeah. That's how I'm doing. How many memberships you sell? Oh, I sold 100 memberships this month. How many did you lose? 98. I'm a plus two. Yeah. I'm like, do you want me to stand up and applause or you want like, you know, a <laughs> violin, right? So like this, this industry has been like hustling so hard to just kind of get by. And what happened about 15 years ago, people said, oh, wow, these, these business, it's not actually a business that's like in a studio. It's actually a business model, right? And if I can take a business model and then I can scale it and replicate it, then I got something. So Barry ended up bringing in some outside investors, which happen to probably be members. I don't know the whole story, but typically like after you, you exhaust like your personal guarantee on your lease and you borrow money from a bank and get money from, you know, some family member that wants to give you 50 or hundred grand. If you say, Hey, look, I'm either bored with what I'm doing. I got to grow. Or, you know, I know that there's five miles away. There's this awesome location that like, I could literally like take this 6,000 square foot location I'm in right now. And I could double the, the earnings of what we're doing. And it's a whole new market. And like, it's a great lease. You know, I need a couple hundred grand. So you kind of start out, you know, doing it yourself with people that are friends and family. And why it's called a friends and family round is because it's the only fucking people who give you money, right? Is your friends and family. Because you're probably going to lose it. But after you kind of hit, oh, go over that hurdle, now it's like, okay, now there's some member who works at a bank or who's an attorney or a doctor who says, hey, man, like, I love what you're doing here. Like, there's a third or fourth location you can do. You know, I'll sign the guarantee on the, on the, on the, on the loan or I'll give you 50 or 100 grand because you changed my life. And then you wake up one day and you got like five or 10 locations. And then a private equity guy comes and knocks on your doors and says, hey, look, I love what you're doing in South Jersey. Why don't we go, let's bring this to Philly. Let's bring this to Pittsburgh. Let's bring this to Atlanta. Let's bring this to Charlotte. 
And that's kind of like when the private equity starts to flow in and people start to look at your business as not, you know, Stu's fitness, but they start to look at it and say, Hey bro, you have a platform, right? This, I'm going to make a platform investment into your company. And we're going to take this from 10 locations to 20 to 50. We're going to get a franchise disclosure document. We're going to franchise this. And that's when you kind of growth capital is kind of like rocket fuel on your business. Okay. So at this point, you, so, you know, 30 years ago, we kind of talked about, do you, are there VC firms and shops right now? And that's, you know, that allow businesses to go and find OPM, you know, for OP, other people's money that, that specialize more in fitness. Cause there's, you know, berries again, you know, like the average micro gym owner, that concept is probably still shaky. Pouring cash on a shitty business model doesn't always fix all the problems. There's generally some expertise, some cleaning and refining of the brand. You need a marketing guy to come in and tell you, hey, listen, you get the best fucking product in the world. But if nobody knows about it, brother, what's the point? How many of these shops now have, like what you guys especially do, specialize in the fitness market? So besides, because any, any, a lot of people can throw cash on problems, but you need a, a, a strategic partner to come in and help really round out the entire project. Yeah, so look, when you bring in, you know, we call it institutional capital or professional capital, uh, that doesn't make it smart money. I want to be clear, right? It just makes it money that their purpose in life is to wake up and find good businesses that are run by a manager or run by a visionary CEO and basically help them kind of round out the team. So if you have one or two CrossFit locations, you better not have a chief marketing officer. You can't afford it right? You can't have a chief operations officer, right? You don't have a head of sales. You don't have a chief financial officer. But when you get to the point when you got 10 locations and you bring in private capital, they'll say, Hey, look, man, like you've been doing, it's awesome what you've been doing, but like, we're not doing it that way anymore. Like we're actually going to give you a corporate overhead and we're going to actually create a team here that can now go and get from 10 locations to 50 locations. Right? So I'm going to give you people that know what they're doing and you know, still a phrase that I use all the time is experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. So what, what a lot of these private equity guys and venture capital firms, they're saying like, Hey, look, bro, I've seen your movie before. Okay. You're like, you're like 10 minutes into the movie. we got a two hour movie. I'm going to make sure that you don't make the mistakes that I've seen other companies make. Right. So if you're Barry's bootcamp, like we're not going and planting flags and making Georgia. Nothing against Macon, right? But I know that the demographics in Macon, there's not enough density there. There's no way we're going to get awesome instructors there. We're going to go to places where there's there's high entertainment, high energy millennials because that's my talent pool, right? So they're basically, you know, if you and I were going to like a kid's, you know, bowling party, like they're like the guardrails that come up at the bowling alley. They're going to be like, dude, I'm going to keep you out of the gutter and I'm going to give you like weighted balls, Basically, we involve yeah. capital and people, right? So go ahead, keep going. So they're gonna, so they're gonna say, hey, look, if you want my money to do this, you know, I'm gonna value your company at, you know, what, you know, we could go into another episode on like valuation, but I'm gonna give you like five times earnings or six times or seven or eight or whatever number of times earnings, and I'm gonna maybe let you take a little money off the table, and I'm going to put this money and we're gonna put it on the balance sheet. We're gonna go do another X number of locations, and we're gonna have a real team. So I know that I can sleep at night knowing that you, you, you're you not going to get hit by a bus. What do you do? Like I got a team. It's not just about you. And I'm also going to know that I got reporting, which is what I need because I need data. If I don't have data as like a finance guy, then I can't really help you. Yeah. Right? So 
So you got to run the business the way I want to run it or, or I have the way I understand it. It's not going to be like, here's my money. Good luck. Let's see what happens. Like we're going to have a plan. So at this point, how much is outside investment looking at the concept being unique and special and marketable and sellable versus a POC, a proof of concept? Are there models out there that are getting looks right now in conversations that might not even be a profitability? I mean, we all know the Uber stories and the Airbnb and these crazy conglomerates that have never had profitability, but they see the scale of it. How much for brick and mortar fitness? And we'll talk the difference between brick and mortar fitness now and then in a post-COVID world, how much of that changes. But how much is the concept like soul cycle that was such a unique concept at the time there wasn't much like you could probably invest on the concept even if you didn't like the jockey you like the horse and how much of that now with everything looking very similar you know you look at like berries has got red lights orange theory's got fucking you know red lights and vice versa whatever it is they're all very similar at this point Look, there, there's not a company in a normalized market that gets funded unless it comes down to like, what are your unit economics? Okay. How much average unit volume do you have? How many members do you have? What's the profitability? And if I put down 700 grand to build like a pimped out orange theory, then I'm going to make $350,000 of cash flow a year and I'm getting my money back in two years. Like, you don't get money by going into a, 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 an investor and say like, hey, these three locations, like I fucked those up, but the fourth one's gonna be awesome. Like you're not getting money for that, right? <laughs> you gotta like show me like a unit economic model that works that I believe that you can replicate. Now take Orange Theory as an example. Orange Theory comes from guys that started Massage Envy. There was a woman that came up with the program, but the guys who put like- The money the blue, in it, yeah. The, the money and the blueprint on that are guys that understand, okay, I got X amount of memberships I got to sell. I got X amount of capacity. Now, the interesting thing about Orange Theory is like, if I go to the six o'clock class, I don't really care who the instructor is because it's not about the instructor. If I go to a soul cycle, it's about the instructor. If I go to Barry's Bootcamp, it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? So soul cycle can, is almost like a live event, right? So they're basically saying, look, you want to go watch the New York Rangers, like, because they got X number of, like, awesome players. Or I want to go see this Broadway show because, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, Jack Nicholson's in it. Like, yeah. dude, if fucking Mantis is doing, like, the 4 p.m. Soul Cycle class, like, I'm paying 35 bucks to get a seat, like, a, yeah. a bike. Entertainment. Entertainment, right? So that's an entertainment-based business. Now, Soul Cycle never went public. Correct. Right? Well, they had that whole IPO issue with Equinox, and, and they were supposed to go IPO, right? Yeah, they, they, they tried. And, and I think the market came back, you know, the bigger market came yeah. back and said like, hey man, how many soul cycles could you put around the country if it's based on like live events with, you know, Rockstar Talent, where Orange Theory now has over a thousand locations because it's about the program. Yeah. It's about the unit economics. And like, if I take 3,000 square feet and I put 12 treadmills in, I put 12 rowers and I put 12 functional training and I run this sales and marketing model and I got a culture and a DNA of guys who know how to sell memberships and this model works and it doesn't work just in like 20%. It works like 95% of the time. Right. So I got a model now that I could scale and then I could get a royalty on top of that. So, so you got to have the first location or you have to have a prototype. Yeah, you got to have a proof of concept, a proof of concept and, and go back to your other question. Yeah. There's private equity groups that focus, you know, only on, you know, what we call the halo sector, health, active lifestyle outdoors. Like there's a group called North Castle 
partners that for 20 years has only been doing deals, you know, in and around, you know, the health and fitness and, and, and supplements space. I'm looking, I look at the space and I see the license versus franchise route. And I've had, I've based on your podcast, I had board 30, Flory Maloney on the podcast. We talked to her, yeah. I talked to a handful and I look at what happened in the, like, you know, CrossFit had by far the large 15,000, 16,000 locations around the world. They went with a license model, very low annual rate, $3,000 a year to be a license. They have 16,000 of these things around the world. And then Berkshire comes in, Berkshire Partners comes in with Eric Rosa and they purchase CrossFit. They now hold CrossFit. If you're looking at a model now and you're looking at, I want to scale and I need to scale with other people's money. Do you recommend people go ahead and look at a franchise route, which we all, you know, FDD docs are crazy expensive. That process is years in the making. Do you look at something with a lower barrier to entry, like a license route? What would you recommend if someone's like, I need to grow this business, but I don't want to own 10 corporate stores. I want to go with other people's money, get other people to believe in my belief in fitness, my mission, whatever the hell it is. What would you say there if you were advising a single location micro gym owner? So first off, you know, CrossFit, I mean, the guy did a great job, Glassman, right? Unfortunately, he didn't understand that, you know, his mouthpiece is what it is, and that forced him to sell the company. You know, look, he had a very Darwinian approach to, to fitness, right? I'm going to prescribe you, and you're going to become a, a sick ultimate, you know, warrior, basically. But what I'm going to do is I'm not putting any constraints on the business. I'm not saying no to anybody. Right? So at the licensor level, he's like, look, you want to become a, a CrossFit? Like, yeah, take the class, pay me three grand, get certified, and you're in business. So like if you were a, a, a trainer and like you wanted to get a reputable name to put on your storefront, sick, awesome, dude, I can become a CrossFit. Fucking problem is everyone else can become a CrossFit too, right? So, like, I can become a CrossFit, you know, Main Street, and you're like CrossFit South Main Street, right? So, there's no private equity, or there's no, you know, like, institutional money inside the CrossFit affiliate network, because there's no barriers to entry. And it's, it's, it's you know, like, in a franchise, I get a territory, yeah. right? So, if I'm a planet of fitness, like, I don't have to go wait. I don't have to go to sleep at night thinking, oh, wait, someone's going to open up a Planet Fitness around the corner for me. Like, that's basically what you're paying the royalty for, right? So, the benefit of like a Planet Fitness model, going a little off track, but it's that I got safety in numbers. Now I got this huge advertising fund that's being contributed by 1,900 Planet Fitnesses. Yeah. So, I can advertise on the NFL. Out there, the whole thing. That's an $8 million ad buy. Nobody can do that in the industry, yeah. right? So that's like, the, so the sales and marketing of Planet Fitness, their budget is, is a competitive moat around that business where nobody really has a moat. And in addition to that, they're running a laundromat. When was the last time you saw a laundromat have a sign in front that says going out of business? Dude, laundromats do not go out of business. You do fucking dance studios, right? So when you think about like, hey, if you're embedded in a community and I don't care about minimum wage, right? Because I'm not really, there's no one in Planet Fitness that says, dude, I hope everyone gets results and loses weight. No, I'm not selling you results. I'm selling you access. Just like I'm selling you like bring a quarter and clean your clothes. If they're dirty, that's not my problem, dude. I got like, I offered you a machine that worked. Like the rest is up to you. Right? So look, if you want to look at, a, at an area, I think you first got to look at like what your life wants to, what do you want your life to be? Okay. And I'll tell you a quick story. There was a group that I was at speaking at an event and um, they came up to me and said, Hey, we got six awesome uh, uh, cycling studios in St. Louis with two women. And uh, we're thinking about going to Kansas City. And we're thinking about raising money 
and we're going to do like six in Kansas City and six in, in Cincinnati. And then I'm like, hey, well, what, what's your lifestyle right now? Oh, we kind of teach some classes. You know, we go to our kids' little league. You know, we do all these things in the community. I'm like, that's not happening. If you go and jump to another city and then jump to another city, like your, that your life is like completely changed. Also, because you're telling investors that that's what you're going to do. And if you're going to tell investors that's what you're going to do, you kind of have to do it, right? So if you bring in outside capital, you got to bring in outside capital with a plan and then you got to try and execute on that plan. And that's going to completely change your life, right? Because now you're running other people's money and they're expecting you to get a return. So what I would do is I would always, and especially after COVID, like figure out what you want your life to be. And if your life is like a 90 minute drive time from where you want to be, then go find opportunities to build other locations that replicate what you're successful in within a 90 mile radius of where you are. And you can make a lot of money just doing that. You don't have to go and talk to a private equity firm about doing something else. And then when your business becomes successful and people will know about it because there are private equity firms and venture capital firms that are trying to find stuff that works, right? So they're going to contact you or they're going to talk to Stu and Stu's going to talk to Pete and Pete's going to talk to Dave. I'm going to say like, hey, isn't there a new private equity fund in Tampa that said they were looking at boutique fitness? You know, like, and, and word's going to get around and you're going to find a deal. And somebody might buy you out or might say, hey, look, I'll buy the business and let me take it from here. I'll plug a guy in who used to head up, you know, the, the Soul Cycle in Miami, who is now available. And, and you know, so like some of these pieces kind of come together, but I wouldn't build something to think that it's going to be then valuable to somebody else. Like build something that you believe in, that you're passionate about, that fits in like what you could physically and mentally do, and then let it evolve as it needs to evolve to make better decisions. It's interesting now with everything with COVID and everyone watching what's happening with TSI and Flywheel and all that stuff. At what point, and obviously this is the industry you're in, so this is kind of a catch-22 here, but at what point is growth for some of these small guys, maybe not like you were kind of saying, like it's maybe not the best idea. You don't understand what comes with accepting this money. And when I typically talk to people about growth, there's a, there's a couple of reasons people grow. Um, inflation, investors, churn, or the biggest one, ego. Right, you get an entrepreneur gets a little success under his belt. You get hungry for a little bit more, but the second you take on that investor number, the investor cash, you now have someone to answer to. You now have expectations. There's no like, hey, we're gonna stay in maintenance mode this year. Mike, you know, I want to spend more time with the kid. Like that shit's not happening. What What would you recommend? Like when you think about now with COVID and a lot of people who maybe they like, in my opinion, I don't. And I'd love to talk to you guys. You look at Flywheel. Flywheel tried to stay on the bleeding edge. They wanted a bike too. I don't know how much of their money was diverted to making that fucking bike or why Flywheel is one of the biggest boutique names to go down in this whole thing. But is there a time when growth is more ego and maybe less calculated? And in a time when probably everyone thought boutique finish, you could fucking piss in any direction and you're going to be doing well. Yeah, look, I mean, co companies, you know, I've become like a certain, probably like you, man, I've become like a certified entrepreneurial therapist. Yeah. I mean, I gave myself the certification, right? Because uh, I've devoted thousands of hours to it in the last, you know, six months. But look, you gotta, if you're like thinking about growth right now, like you're not thinking, okay? Just like hibernate and get to the other side. And when someone calls and says like, hey, you know, I think we're going to miss out on that opportunity. Like, dude, fitness has been around for a long time. And this churn in this industry whether you want to admit it or not, is 50%, okay? So post-COVID, it's going to be 50%. So you're not losing anyone. You'll get them back when you're ready to get them back, right? So right now, you got to be like the squirrel that lives in, you know, 
in the suburbs. Boy, like nuts. Fucking bury your bury your acorns, dude, and just like survive. Not only survive like financially, but survive mentally. And you know what? If nothing happened today, that's okay. Right? Like learn to understand that like we're up against like a, a clock right now. And we have no idea when the clock ends. So, you know, it's like it's like playing football, bro. And like they keep pushing the, the goalposts back, right? So it's like, you know what? I mean, New York, they just announced they might close you guys down again, right? So, okay, so what am I going to do? So I should go sign a lease with some guy who says like, oh, there's a smoking deal on 23rd and 5th. I'm like, if it's a smoking deal today, it's going to be a smoking deal in six months, right? So like, just don't do anything. That's what I would say. And it might sound boring, you know, like do your digital thing, like go and research, dude. Like think. Right? We we spend so much time doing, and I, I've seen some of your stuff out there as well. Like you gotta think. Like I was at the, my window, like pre-COVID. You know, I was staring out the window. We, we had this colo co, co office, and uh, someone, one of my senior associates, looking at, hey, now what are you doing? I'm like, bro, I'm thinking. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. But so look at stuff. Like go. Like if I talk about you, you talk about Orange Theory, like. There's a franchise disclosure out on Orange Theory. All their financials are available. Like, figure out. I can't just, like, you and I can't give you, like, five sound bites that's going to, like, change the way you think about Orange Theory. Like, sure. go and read it. Like, go do the work. Like, go and visit places. Like, why is Massage Envy have a 1,000 locations? I don't know. They must be doing something right. Yeah. Right? How does Planet Fitness stay alive? Like, how many park, how many cars are in the park? Like, they do the research now because you got time to, like, figure shit out. It's, you know, I think about it right now, the average brick and mortar pre-COVID, if you were to go run and pull everyone, how much time are you spending to develop your digital assets? The answer is slim and not zero. I'm not spending any time doing it. And now you have everybody, which the silver lining, I think, for the fitness industry in COVID, it brought everybody fucking five years into the future. 100% I, I look at what, you know, Apple's doing. Fitness Plus is going to hit the scene and Apple's going to do what Apple always does. The first time Apple announced AirPods, we all looked around like, what douchebag's going to wear AirPods? Guess what? Fast forward three fucking years, everyone wears AirPods. The same thing with the damn watch. Apple, what they do incredibly is take the obscure that looks almost a little too bougie and a little bit too futuristic, and they bring it mainstream. And then by the end of November, every motherfucker with an iPhone is going to have Fitness Plus on their phone. They will be able to try it for three months. Fitness digitally will just become a thing that people come to expect. How much time now while everyone's in just hibernation and chill mode would you recommend people invest in digital or are, should they be looking at digital as it's your COVID band-aid for the time being? Or no, bro, this is what things are going to be going forward. I got, I got a couple of different views on this. Um, one, I first 100% agree with you that people, you know, were busy making money before COVID, right? So like when I said, hey, go invest in your digital, I'd be like, dude, I'm making, I'm fine, dude. I don't need it, right? So now it's like finally the wake-up call. Here's the thing that, I need, I think most of the micro gym operators need to understand, like a lot of our large clients talk about like, oh yeah, this is what the data says, right? And they start rattling off all these like metrics and all this other shit. I'm like, dude, what did the fucking people say? Okay. And if you only have, if you have a gym and you're making good money and you have 300 members that are good members, talk to them, ask them what they want. Like, how can I help you achieve what you want to achieve? It's not that big of a list, right? If you had like, if you're like EOS, you know, fitness, and you've got like 300,000 members, like you can't even get your brain around like, what, I'm going to sit in a call center and like call 300,000 people? Well, 
Well, actually you should, right? Because I should take those 3,000 people, segment them, hand it out to my personal trainers or my group exercise instructors, and they should be making 50 calls a day. Like, what can I do to help you achieve your results, right? You want to do digital? Awesome. Let me write that down. Okay, I'll do digital. Hey, you think when this place opens, you're going to come into the club? Yeah, I'm definitely coming in. I don't give a shit about COVID. I'll wear a fucking mask. You know, like, so if you only have 300 members, you can say to them, hey, look, we're doing Zoom videos. Okay, we might upgrade and we might do something a little more professional and, and do, you know, you know, our own forte fitness yeah, product label platform. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like as much as like everyone hypes up like, oh, Peloton this and, you know, SoulCycle that and Varus app and all that other stuff, it's like you actually have a historical relationship with at least 300 people who like look at you as an authority in whatever town you're in. Whoever's listening right now, like you are the authority on someone getting results, okay? And all the rest of that is like watching TV or like to them. To me, it's like a Netflix. Right? I don't have a relationship with Emma from, you know, Peloton. I got a relationship with the guy from SoulCycle, Connor, because I knew him before, right? So like you have the you digital. I don't know, bro. Did you see the Netflix versus the world documentary? Yeah. No. The social. Can you please one? watch it. No, no. Netflix versus the world. Okay. Uh, Netflix versus the world, and I won't. I won't tell you what happens, but I'm gonna tell you a little bit. So, so Blockbuster basically was at a point where they figured out. Like, I know how to compete with Netflix. I'm going to make it more convenient. People are going to be able to return videos. They could get videos, like, and they were there. And then they hired a CEO from 7-Eleven who basically said, I'm not doing the digital. Like, we're just going to focus on the story. So, like, all the bricks and mortar, like, nobody's too far ahead right now. You can use Vimeo. You can use Zoom. You can use Forte Twitter. You can use whatever you want. Own those 300 people. And if you own those 300 people by voice, by face, by digital, like you're going to win. They're not going to go away because you actually care about them and they, and they appreciate you. Yeah. So like the hierarchy is not crumbling with or without COVID. The need for the connectivity and the top three <laughs> tiers of Maslow's is, is something that we've always based on. And the one thing that I think we all try to think of is, well, I can't scale that. I mean, we, you can, you, you can you can scale it, you know, maybe not truly or actually scale it like 300,000, whatever it may be. Like, But realistically, if you had all your trainers calling 25 people a day, four days a week, you can make a really good fucking dent to get qualitative and quantitative data off the people who know you, trust the brand, and already give you their money every single month. And there's no better data out there than that subset. So to, 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 to add on to your point, you got 300 people, okay, versus scale. Like, if you want to scale, what scale from 300? Scale to, like, 1,000? Like, you're still, like, one boutique studio, micro gym in, you know, yeah. Westbury, Long Island, right? So, would I rather scale to 1,000 or would I rather own 300? I'm talking about own their mind shift. I got a question about fitness. I got a question about recovery. I got a question about nutrition. Hey, I'm, I'm within a five mile radius of where you live. Like I'll meet you at a park. I'll fucking ride my tricycle over to your house. Yeah, I own a tricycle. Do you, know, do you know I own a tricycle? Now you do. Now I do. All right. I've been kicking field goals. Okay. During COVID, right. I'm up to 36 yards. Not that impressive, but I feel like I'll get it out there. My point is like, if I had a personal trainer from a local 
gym, micro gym. And he, and he knew, and I'm texting with him. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm doing like this, you know, thing on soul cycle and I'm doing these Peloton workouts and I'm, I just bought a pair of cleats. He's like, dude, I'll meet you at the field. I'll pay me 30 bucks an hour. Like I'll fucking help you kick 45 yards. That's what I'm talking about. Dude. This is not, that never goes away still. Yeah. Like that you're my personal trainer is my friend, my personal trainer, Chris, he's my therapist. He's the guy like I rely on. He's the guy that gets me there on time. And there's nothing digitally that is going to change that. Now what's going to change that is when he makes me go digital that he makes me, he's like, dude, I'm meeting you at four o'clock. We're doing a one-on-one, right? Or, Hey, I need you in that class at 8 AM. Not with me, with the other group that's struggling. That's the, that's like the mindset. Like none of this is intimidating. It's just like an extension. Sure. And it, the mindset of, you know, the, the career technician. And, it, you know, in my experience, I don't meet a ton of individuals in the beginning. They're in, they have the honeymoon phase. I want to be a career technician. I want to be a career coach. If I could do this every day for the rest of my life, I'd fucking love it. And then maybe they don't raise their prices appropriately. Maybe things don't scale. But at a certain point, you're not scaling one-on-one. Like Chris is not coaching fucking 10 Pete Moores a day for the majority of his life and loving his fucking life. Sure. Sure. Right. So he's got to scale, but just like going back to the prototype, right? Okay. So if I, if I put you in a, if I put you in a, in a club and I gave you all these tools, like think of yourself as like a, I'm like a personal trainer with like a, like a tool belt. Like my tool belt includes like my iPhone. The Batman one, like with all the fucking shit around it. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. You know I'm a Batman fan or not? <laughs> there we go. Get it out. Tricycle, field goal, yeah. and Batman. I know it's basically my entire. It's basically my entire life. But anyway, no. Think about your toolkit. My toolkit now includes like Zoom. My toolkit includes like my iPhone. My toolkit includes like you know the camera. My tool fits like text messaging. You know, it's like I, now I'm like like you're armed dangerous as a personal trainer. Like, yeah, I can just scale my business or I can just go deeper into who I have. Yeah. It's still owning the mission and then having multiple methods. There's multiple methods to complete the mission. And that's what I think a lot of people are missing is that sure. Like Chris can decide to keep six Pete Moores. Those are his 1% clients, the people that he generally still loves being a technician in. And then he's going to keep 120 B-rate clients, people he really doesn't fucking want to see more than once a week, whatever it is, in some kind of group setting. And you're going to have X amount of more, infinity, whatever, in a digital landscape, whatever it is. And it's amazing. You find this. I just did a, we did an analysis of three programming companies. They don't even interact with you on a screen. They just send out workouts, templated workouts to thousands of people at a low monthly rate. It's, I mean, besides a Facebook group, and that individual on their brand going live on Instagram and saying hi to everybody, it's probably the most scalable thing that it, in the fitness is writing workouts that people follow on their own. And what is it the difference between that concept versus the personal trainer concept versus the mm-hmm. fitness thing? And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's making people feel like you give a shit, like you can be that touch point, you know? Look, I, you have the op- you know, anytime you embrace a digital platform, and, and you know you have you don't have to like commit to like one strategy. This is going to be a bad analogy, but while we're on it, you know, might as well share. So I was watching Agents of Chaos the other day, which is basically like Russian, you know, troll farms. They just threw as much shit against the wall and just figured out what stuck, and then just went deeper into like what stuck. So like if you say, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to spend the night. I'm going to go write up ten workout programs, and I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to spend a little money. 
to actually like get it out there because you don't know if something works unless you have spent some marketing dollars. But figure out what works. I think what works in the future is going to be, you know, I got multiple touch points with a member. It's going to be, hey, man, I need you in the club or I need you in my studio, my micro gym. I need you there two days a week. Like, can you commit to that? Because I don't want to lose that personal touch. Like, it's important. If you want to get results, like, you kind of got to see me. I know, like, everyone's like, yeah, this stuff works on its own, but I'm, I'm not sold. And I don't want to change my own behavior to a point where, like, I'm working out of my apartment. I'm working out of my house. It's not fun. Right? Yeah. So I'll, I don't want to give some, I'll, I'll give someone the option, but I don't want that to be, like, the default. Right? The default is like, look, bro, you come into the club at least two or three times a week. You do this group exercise class. You do this workout recovery at night on the digital, and you do one or two workouts, you know, on the digital. And that's like my prescription for you. And then you're going to come back in. But like you're still – I got to – the only way you maintain that member, I think, is if you maintain that physical relationship, you know, that face-to-face. -face. Like or else, yeah, then, then they're lost. Because you're not going to beat the programming quality of Peloton or SoulCycle or anybody else, nor, nor should you. Yeah. Even look at, uh, you know, uh, me and Jim really connected when he took over as CEO of OPEX. And their entire concept is individual design. And it's a 2,500-square-foot 2, box. They do a Noah's Ark model. They get two of everything or five of everything, depending on the operational capacity. And you come in and you have one trainer. You see that person maybe every other week for one session and then they write you a program and you walk in and they have floor trainers that have the iPad and they can pull up your work. I'm like, oh, so Stu wrote this for you? Oh, cool. Do you have any questions on the former technique? Great. Awesome. I see you have an appointment with him in three weeks. So now instead of seeing Sally fucking at one to two times a week, you see her once a month. And the rest of it is digital touch points, you know, your attaboys, all that stuff, text messages, all that fun, you know, CRM shit. And then I mean, you can scale, like one guy can have a very fulfilling, nice gig, only even to see, like, you know, you could see Chris twice a month and you'd probably be satisfied as long as you got to experience him in other ways and deliver to you in other vehicles as well. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what you're really getting down to, and, and I want it to be up to me as a member, right? I want to basically be like the most flexible a la carte menu that you will ever find, yeah. right? So if I can provide that to you and then price it accordingly, like, like if you come, if I come to you and say, they still look, I, I want, I want to train with you like two times a week in person, not, and, and I'm willing to pay for it. Right. Cause that, I know that I need that. Right. So I want my, I want my trainer or whoever the authority is to offer that to me and I'll pay for it. Cause I get it. Right. <laughs> but like when I see somebody say like, Oh, for nine 99, you know, $9 and 99 cents a month, you get X. I know that they can't provide that service to me, right? Because they, because they're going what you say. They're just basically like, let's throw it out there and go scale, right? So I think it should be nine ninety nine. All right, you get access to my digital, but like here's like one hundred and ninety nine a month that you get the digital and you get three, you know, in person training sessions and a free membership to the club. Like never give up. Don't give up that that local touch point because. That's what's, that's your advantage. It's the only advantage. These micro exactly. when I hear them like, oh, I've got a CRM and it automatically texts when someone does this. I'm like, how many fucking leads are you dealing with a month? 30, 60, what? You can't make 30 or 60 fucking text messages yourself. Exactly. The exactly. only advantage you have against Gold's Gym or Peloton is that you're physically, like you actually can have be personalized. Don't throw away your magic weapon, your right hook it, because you want life to be easier you want easier, have the cash and go open up a, a scalable mod. Go open up an Orange Theory that's going to have a thousand fucking locations or a thousand clients. And then you could CRM the shit out of them all day if that's what you want. 
Exactly. Like before, before COVID, like I used to go to Soul Cycle, you know, four or five days a week. Uh, I'm not bragging, dude. I'm just, I'm trying to be honest with you, man. That's, I, I love call, it. Man, okay, I go up to Boston. The, their Boston location is my favorite. Yeah, I've been there. I'm not, I'm not okay, I have, but whatever. Yeah, I'm with you, back pain. <laughs> <laughs> I just mess around. No, my point is, dude, I walk into that place five times a week, okay? And I'm paying a lot of money to take a class. Not once has ever anyone asked me, hey, Pete, what are you looking to achieve today? Sure. Yeah. Can I help you get results? Yeah. Are you are you are you cycling for some event? Like yeah. there's no intel, right? Yeah. So but like, like before, a, they're selling and they're selling entertainment and events. <clears throat> right. So if you want to sell results, okay, and like actual results, like if somebody comes in and says, Hey, I want to I need to lose 30 pounds, especially after COVID, dude. Like tell people like how quickly you can get them to lose weight and, and feel better about themselves and actually look in the mirror again without wearing a shirt. You know, like that shit's like that sells bro. And it's never not going to sell. Yeah. Okay. And it's never going to be like some guy on like a, you know, who I never met on like my laptop who's going to convince me versus going into a gym and looking around and saying like, Hey man, this place looks like, it's like if you went into a like a virtual dental office. Like you go into a dental office, you be like, okay, whatever hurts. Like it looks like they got enough fucking equipment here that'll fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like like all that all these equipment that you have and TRX bands and kettlebells. I'm like, all right, dude. I'm assuming this is the stuff that gets me to look like I want to look. Right? That's not gonna change. So, you know, I would hibernate for now. But like, think about like spend time to think about like what what. What would people respond to? Sure. And like if I and like instead of thinking about it as like a a CRM, you know, I got a customer relationship manager. It's just like how about I just listen? <laughs> like I have a listening system. You know, what yeah. do people? What do you want? I'll I'll provide it to you. What results do you need? And here's what it costs for me to do it profitably. It's it, kind of simple, bro. It is, and the more simple you are, the probably the less big you need to be and complicated you need to make your machine. And then you know you can be a jet ski in in Titanics. You know, if Orange Theory couldn't pivot as quickly as the single location mom and pop who has two hundred and twenty clients, you know, it's it's going to take. Um, I, again, with the majority of the market being these single pop mom and shop individual owners, the people who listen to this podcast, I think everyone's looking at growth as, and they look at the orange theories and the berries and whatever, and those are your, their heroes. That's their Troy Aikman's and their Emmett Smith's. They want like, they look up to them, but at the same time, I, you know, right now, I think with COVID it's a great time to really sit back and analyze is growth really what you want in your business long-term or can you enjoy the lower overhead and the lower risk and not having to answer to investors by just doing what you're saying, enjoying the process, delivering a result. Cause once you get big enough, if you're going to have thousands and thousands of clients across the country, you can't deliver results anymore. No, you got to, you got to, you got to scale a bigger yeah. team and you got to have more overhead and you got to have more leases that you sign. <clears throat> now the, 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 the flip side of that is, is right now you might have an opportunity as a micro gym owner to go back to your landlord and say, look, man, I, I can't pay the rent here. And I don't know when I'm going to pay the rent full. So here's what I need to, you to do. I need you to cut my rent by 40 or 50%. And it's going to be that way for at least another two to three years, or I'm going to go find some other place and I'm, and I'm basically bankrupt in this location. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. I own my building here and I've got tenants in it and <laughs> gyms in it and as well as that. And I tell everyone right now, it is not a tenants. Uh, the, all the leverage is in the, is the tenant right now, not the landlord. So, so if I cut that deal with the landlord, right. And I, and I grow when, when this whole thing, you know, flips to the other side where there's a vaccine or there's enough therapy where the people aren't going to die, then, 
you just grew your your cash flow by 30%, you know, by by so you have the growth is already in your building. It's kind of like it's already in your business. Like just let it let it happen, but take the time now to say, look, out of this one lease, now I can basically use that business like a trampoline into digital without having to go and like go look every Everyone always gets seduced by like, oh, some broker called me and wants to put me in this lifestyle, you know, strip center. I'm like, bro, he's fucking calling everyone, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I used to go to guys and be like, hey, man, Simon Properties called me. Like, they want me in these five developments. I'm like, yeah, dude, you know why? Because they have fucking space that's not being rented. That's the only reason. They don't love you. They don't, like, appreciate your brand. Yeah. You're trying to fill space. Yeah, yeah. So what I would say is, dude, don't grow more. But, but look, dude, once you figure out that one micro gym in the new normal. And you say like, Hey man, I'm actually getting people results. My digital is like, doesn't really cost me that much. Cause all these tools are out there out of my toolkit. Doesn't cost me anything to text message somebody. And I figured it out. And this thing really works. And I got somebody that I can plant now on my team or myself. Like I can leave this where it is. I can go open up another location. That's you're going to feel it and you're going to know, and it's not going to come from anybody. It's not going to come from you. It's not going to come from Gallon. It's not going to come from me. It's going to be the gym owner saying like, dude, I, I'm not scared about my business anymore. Actually, like I feel like I, and, and everyone's here. Their gut is what drives you, right? The data we can talk about all day long, private equity. And now everyone understands it's not that big of a deal. But once you know that you're ready to grow, you're ready to grow. And then you go find another location. You sign a good lease. My oh, man, Pete, if people are looking, they, they liked uh, the cut of your jib here. They like what you were saying. Where can they find you and Halo Talks and all that good stuff? Yeah, you go to halotalks.com on, uh, on, on the web. You go to uh, Halo Talks on the podcast. Got a nice little caricature. Um, you know, we, we use Halo as a, basically a replacement for the word wellness. We don't love the word wellness because it's basically the opposite of illness. So if you're not sick, you're okay. Not very aspirational for guys like Stu and, and us. So health, active lifestyle, outdoors. We're trying to create the halo effect. Um, we just passed through 35,000 downloads and uh, uh, about 260 um, executives. So we're trying to bring in people like yourself, you know, who are evangelists, who get it. And also from an education standpoint, like 30 minutes of what the guy who runs the largest orange theory, like there's got to be some tidbits of like aha moments where someone's like, hey, I'm going to incorporate into what I'm doing, what that guy's doing. Uh, or new technology so dude it was great i'm glad we connected and uh, look forward to and guys everyone listening i'm gonna go ahead and throw those links down in the show notes check these guys out again i think they are touching on a topic in the fitness industry that most of us shy away from it's easy for every talking head and fucking podcast world in the fitness industry to give theory and concepts (laughs) but what i love you guys really get into math you get into finance and you just get to touch a lot of people that i think the current um podcast circuit isn't touching so um I, I, I would see that keep blowing up. I think you guys are. Yeah. Doing- and we also got uh, we'll send you a VIP code, you know, for, uh, we, I run something called Halo Academy, which yeah. is basically like a crash course, five business school classes over a two week program. We're doing it since COVID started. Uh, so if any of your listeners want to yeah. basically do like two weeks, you know, Harvard business school in the fitness industry, that's a, uh, Someone just did. So. Oh, yeah. I'll go ahead. I'll make sure to include a link down for below. Fellas, thank you so much, Pete. You're the man. It was great talking with you. Good talking to you, bro. I'll talk to you soon.